Hey y'all, this is Allie Spears, your host of the Ag Chicks podcast, where I cultivate connections with the women who are helping feed the world. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's guest is Erin Perkins. Erin, along with her husband Jeremy and their two sons, own and operate Easton Station Farms in Greenwich, New York. They are first-generation cow-calf operation raising blonde Aquitaine in commercial cattle since 2010. The land where Easton Station Farms currently sits today was originally a family dairy farm, but through hard work and sustainable farming techniques, they've managed to raise healthy, wholesome beef on limited acreage. They have grown to be a reputable breeder of blonde Aquitaine cattle while also providing high-quality beef to the area in their on-farm store. The farm is BQA, or Beef Quality Assurance, certified, New York Grown and Certified, Masters of Beef Advocacy Certified, and members of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and New York Beef Producers Association. I'm so excited to talk to you today, Erin. I know as someone who is originally from California, when you say a state that people don't associate with agriculture, there's like all the questions and, oh, are you sure you don't live in the city with cows or whatever the weird questions may be? Um, So I know you're in New York. Uh, I'm assuming you obviously are not living in New York City if you're involved in agriculture. Um, But tell us a little bit about like kind of where you guys are at and and where exactly the state you guys are located. Sure. So welcome. Uh, Thank you for having me today. I'm, I'm excited. I'm honored to be here. Um, so we are in Washington County, which is one of the top agricultural counties, um, in the state. We're about 25 minutes from the Vermont border, um, hour North of Albany, half hour from Saratoga. So that's kind of how I reference people. Um, and we're like four hours from New York city. So, so not too close, but not too terribly far. Um, right. So nice day trip. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Nice day trip. Um, and I remember, Oh, shoot. I guess I was in going into my senior year of high school. We my brother played in Cooperstown. And so we drove through like upstate New York and it was so beautiful. And just like you said, one of the top places for agriculture. I mean, I think a lot of people don't think about that typically is New York also being a hub for agriculture. Um, But what about let's talk about kind of um, growing up, like what were you involved in agriculture growing up involved in the cattle business or what did that look like? So not directly in production eggs. So it's funny, my dad was a butcher and my mom was a bank teller, uh, but I was always involved in 4-H, FFA, uh, you name it. I always wore that uh, corduroy jacket proudly for years and years, Um, but I always knew I wanted to be a farmer. I just had this this in my gut that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, When I was a kid, I remember I went out and I bought myself a calf hutch and brushes and and all the show box everything I wanted to show a cow at the county fair and I would help my friends but I wanted to have my own cow and it just I mean having a dairy operation was just not in the the cards for us so actually the farm where we live now was my great-grandparents farm so I met my I was dating my now husband at the time and we came down here and visited and it's like who lives here and I said oh well it's a family farm but um, I'll never live here. Like I have no desire to live here. I just remembered it being 
very, um, I don't know, at the time it was very dilapidated and the cow barns had fallen down at that time, just years of not much happening here. And um, he's like, I want to live here. So long story short, we moved in and we started renovating the house. And I said, oh, I'd like to get a couple cows. Like I just, there was cows here. I remember cows and two ponies growing up. Like let's, let's just get a couple cows. So we got a couple uh, black, white face uh, cow and calf, and then two became four and four became eight. And now we have 48. So <laughs> it doesn't Isn't, take long. To... Yeah. Good old uh, rancher math, right? And it starts right. with one, <laughs> then it ends up evolving very quickly. And then one day you go out and you say, how the heck did we get to this point? But here we are. That's right. Uh, well, that's awesome that you are very cool too, that you guys ended up kind of back on a uh, ranch that was, or a farm operation that was from your family and that you guys have been able to do that together and, and as a family. So, um, and you have children, correct? Yes. Yep. We have two boys, eight and 11. So they have been involved right from the very beginning with, with everything that we do. They, they show cows at the county fair. Um, they're out there. I, I tell the story that my husband actually got hurt a couple months ago. It was right in the middle of calving season, terrible timing. And we had a cow, we were waiting to calve and she calved at one o'clock in the morning. And I came in, I knew the calf was having trouble. It was a huge calf, but she delivered it on her own. And I came in and I woke up my oldest son, who again, he's only 11. And I said, bud, I need your help. And his first question is, where's my sweatshirt? He didn't <laughs> ask why. It's one o'clock in the morning. I woke him up out of a dead sleep. He didn't ask why. He didn't say, I don't want to. He, he knew that like it was him and I that needed to get this task done. And my husband ended up, he came out, even though he shouldn't have. Uh, but we got this calf down to the barn. and ultimately saved it from what could have been a really bad night if we had not intervened so yeah and I think I just saw something and I did, it's probably on Facebook but like that farm and ranch kids are built different and that is such a true statement I mean perfect yeah. example right there of just ready to go no matter what the what the day or task might bring um but do you think that they will your children obviously they're still super young but like do you think because of how they're being raised, they will want to have a career in, in life in agriculture? Oh, I think so. I hope so. I mean, yeah. it's something that, I mean, like you said, they're, we're just built different. And like, even myself, I mean, even though I wasn't involved in production agriculture, I feel like just the background, the work ethic that just, just comes with the territory that um, they, they love, they see the whole cycle. I mean, we do uh, direct to consumer freezer beef. So they see that we, the effort that we put into taking care of our animals and then that we're able to provide consumers with a, a safe product. Um, and the days aren't easy and the nights can be short and the days can be long. But um, I really think that, I mean, it's just something that I believe it's something that's just bred into you that it, there's no choice. Like I think you either have it or you don't a lot of times. And I, I really believe, especially my oldest, like he's, he can drive a tractor way better than I can. Like he, he's my, my husband's go-to when it comes to doing most things, but. <laughs> That's so cool. And I think being able to provide those opportunities for your kids is such a unique thing um, and really gives them such a unique perspective on, on life. And like you just mentioned, kind of the whole circle of life. I remember as a kid, um, you know, going into health class and we were talking about, you know, reproductive cycles and all of that. And I would be like, oh yeah, I know how that works. And people would just look at me like with their eyes huge, like, 
how do you know that what like how do you know I'm like well we have cows and bulls and cows have calves because there's a bull in the head and you know what I mean so just looking at life in a different way but understanding that it all fits together at the end of the day as well that's right yeah yeah we just kicked off breeding season last Wednesday so I'm I'm kind of glad the kids are out of school for the summer so there's no stories circulating around but right but I you're know. right especially my youngest <laughs> then there's that other layer of like you right. never know what they're gonna go to school and say right <laughs> yeah I mean they're just honest like this is how it happens so yep. that's life exactly <laughs> and um I sometimes think that we need a little bit more of that real life honesty in today's <laughs> right. society but um that's awesome. So you mentioned that you guys have a direct-to-consumer business model. How did you guys settle on that being the approach you wanted to take? So we actually just celebrated our one-year anniversary of our on-farm store. So we, we've been raising beef since 2010. We raised Blonde Aquitaine cattle. Um, we're a very it's a very unique breed. We're actually the only ones in New York state that have this breed of cattle. Um, so when we started with them, we, we wanted to sell breeding stock, but then we've heard all the great qualities of the beef as well. So once COVID happened and people really started to think about where their food comes from, we decided let's try to sell directly from the farm and our sales were really great. So we were selling just off of a little freezer off of our back porch People could pre-order online, come through, pick up and leave. Um, but we outgrew that business model pretty quickly. So we had a little room in our garage and we both work full-time off the farm. Okay. Um, so this is this needed to be something that people could kind of self-serve and shop on their own time without having to have a lot of extra um, support from us. Because I mean, if we're not working, we're farming and the the store needed to be able to sustain itself so we started that um may of 2022 and it's gone really well i mean we've we've moved a lot of product through there we also have other local products pork maple honey um just really trying to showcase the products that are around us and get people to to stop and ask us questions i get a lot of questions on how our beef is raised what they're fed so to be able to continue that conversation face-to-face, -face, um, it doesn't always happen because I'm not always here. It's self-service, right. but I have information in our store. So um, if they do have a question that they can either read about it while they're there or reach out after the fact, um, which people do. It's, it's really great. Like you wouldn't think that you, sometimes we get naive and like people just take it for granted all the work that we're doing. But I do think that, that people do care and we care and we want to share our story. So it's been great. Yeah, I think to your point about people caring, um, even myself, I get, you know, caught up in this, I don't know, cycle of thinking, oh, consumers don't care. They just want the lowest price when they go to the grocery store. But I think they really do care. And if this whole model of direct to consumer has showed us anything is that they are wanting to know exactly who their food is coming from and how it's being raised and um, the whole process that goes into it. Um, so I think it's the direct to consumer model is something that I think will continue to grow, honestly, as more people kind of learn about it and, and figure out how to do it and, and what works for their um, their family's operation. Um, but for you guys, what was, or I know like every state has different regulations and rules and all that. And I know like, depending on how you sell it too, it comes with a bunch of different policies and regulations and stuff. But for you guys, what, was there like a bunch of background homework in terms of like, how do we make this work? Or what did it just kind of like, 
start and then become one of those things where it just like evolved and then you had to kind of plan from there um a little of both I mean we did a we did some planning um we knew that I mean obviously it takes 18 to 20 months to raise an animal to be able to slaughter so I mean there was planning to lead up to that we weren't selling our feeder calves like we had traditionally sold them um just on a truck in the fall so there was that element um and like I said we kind of started off seeing like okay is this going to work we're five miles pretty much from the nearest town so people have to make a point to want to come out here um so we wanted to make it easy for them so that's why we started with just a little freezer on the back porch um obviously all of our beef has to be usda inspected in order to sell by the cut like we're doing okay um so we started with that model and then we we sold out like within a couple months and we said okay well if if this is something we're serious about we need to continue to to look into it and see what we need to do to get to the next step and I, I did just what we're doing here. I, I listened to podcasts. I did a lot of research online to see how people, especially the self-serve model, we wanted to be able to take credit cards. Like then it's all, we have great reports by doing it that way. Um, it's convenient for customers. So just that little extra effort, I think really paid off for us. And, um, but you got to do what works for you too. I mean, if that's not in the cards, I mean, Wi-Fi, I mean, like, again, like I said, we're in rural America and Wi-Fi we have just enough internet to run our iPad to be able to get um, credit cards. So that's always an obstacle too. Yeah, no, I think that's a huge one too that people don't think about, especially maybe if people or individuals are coming from a town where or a city where there is Wi-Fi and then they come out to make a purchase and you're like, I need you to hold that thought while I hold this up to, you know, stick <laughs> on one foot and close my eye to try to get some, some internet out here. Um, but those are all things that come with having the um convenience is probably not the right word but uh opportunity to buy from someone who is directly producing your food um how in terms of like marketing what was your approach there to um getting the word out about the fact that you guys were doing this so i do a lot of social media um sharing my story from instagram and facebook um i really i feel like beefed up beefed up <laughs> our website um wanted to make it really crystal clear like what we were doing how you could shop with us um and i do get folks reaching out that they have found us on google and they they did check out our website um it's funny because when we first started we thought that we would continue with the pre-orders and with the self-serve and pre-orders have dropped virtually right off the face of the earth people just want to do the self-serve um so we've had to make some adjustments on the fly and um I have things are always changing and I guess it's trying to like keep up with whatever the latest trends are as far as getting your name out there getting your post viewed and things that you would think would get likes and loves right off the bat are buried in things that you would think gee like that's just run of the mill like I a picture of a baby calf or a a quote about a bad day and all of a sudden it's getting a bunch of likes but at the end of the day you want people to realize they're looking for steak I want my name to come to the top of the the pile and we'll go into restaurants now and we'll go to our local brewery and just try to make connections and um, how we can get that whole local food movement kind of going together I just pitched an idea to our brewery recently um, burger and a beer night like how can we work together I'll help you you help me so (music) 
by ranchers for ranchers. Together, let's make ranching easier. Previously known as Cattle Back Box, Strayhorn has rebranded to better match their ability to push the envelope in creating innovative animal management products to serve the ranching community. Strayhorn is rooted in tradition and ranching legacy, but they believe in the opportunity of looking at things with a new perspective to drive the industry forward. Check out all of the things that Strayhorn has to offer you and your herd. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I think that whole concept of community is kind of being lost too, which is sad because that's really the, for a lack of a better term, bread and butter of where we are all living in kind of our local community and what goes into it local economies, all those types of things. Um, so that's cool that you guys are branching out and doing things with other local businesses. So good luck and all that. And I hope it continues to grow for you guys. Thanks. Um, so let's switch gears just a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that you actually one more thing and then we'll switch gears because I just thought about this, but you mentioned that you guys are also, um, working off the farm. So what does that look like in order, like balancing everything, which, I know there's no real balance, right? It all, <laughs> it's all being pulled in different directions at different times. But what does that look like for you guys and kind of um, how you function, I guess? Uh, we're busy. We're never <laughs> bored. <laughs> um, we, uh, it's, it's a good busy though. I mean, it's very, it's a rewarding lifestyle. I mean, we, we work our nine to five jobs and then we come home and work five to nine. Um, but it's, it's, it seems to be, it's, it's working for us. I mean, we're, we engage our family, our kids. Um, we enjoy what we do. We like to see kind of the fruits of our labor. I mean, just tell, to just look and see like, um, where we've come from to where we are now. I mean, even if it's the little things of clearing brush and building fence and reclaiming some, we, this past year, we reclaimed another five acres of land that, um, was, like that hadn't been really farmed since my great grandparents did it. So to be able to like see all those things kind of come full circle and see cow, my, my dad is ecstatic to have cows up behind his house again, that haven't been there in 50 years. So um, it, it doesn't come without blood, sweat and tears though. I mean, there's some days that are just, you feel kind of defeated and you're tired and you're just, you'd like to go to bed, but there's also days when you know that all of your, your efforts are worth it. We just sold some cows, um, over the weekend and to know, see where we have come from that we wanted to get started with this breed of cattle. We've built up our herd and now we're able to sell, um, quality cattle back to someone who's just getting started. Like that's a really great feeling. Yeah. And you mentioned that the, the breed you guys, um, have is unique. Um, and you kind of mentioned some of the reasons, but why, like, what was the reasoning behind, going with that breed and not, you know, Angus or Herford or whatever, um, when you guys were starting out. So they were just different. Um, I had seen them, I was 10 years old. We went to a County fair up in Maine. And again, I said, my dad was a butcher and this guy had a whole line of cattle laying there and we'd never seen them before. So my dad got talking to him and he said that they were blondes and told us why he liked them. So 
when we started out down here, like I said, we wanted something that was just going to be a hobby. Look yeah. back, I was four, 48 cows later. Right. Um, still a hobby, I guess. But um, and we said we wanted something that was just a little bit different to the area. So we worked and it was two years of pursuing folks that had blonde cattle till, till I found some that would uh, be able to work like for our budget and for our operations close by a lot of them are down in the um, panhandle of Texas and at that time we didn't have a way to, to do anything like that so um, we got our first two in 2014 and then we've kind of been able to make connections I'm the secretary for the blonde association now um, we're actually hosting their national meeting um, the end of September so that's really exciting so we're going to have producers from all across the country coming here um, so it's just been a really great group of folks to get to know and like just uh, learn from and just without having the cattle like it would be a whole segment of people that like we just would never have the opportunity to get to know right and I think to the world of agriculture I was just listening to somebody and they said something about how they hate when people refer to the world as being small because it's not a small world it's just our connections that make it smaller um which I agree with but I also think the world of agriculture is very small and especially mm -hmm. when you take the cattle industry out of it um because then that shrinks it even more but then like you said interacting with people that you would never have interacted with if you didn't choose that specific breed stuff like that always makes me kind of think about like if I wouldn't have made this decision like how would my life be different or how would the group of people around me be different um and I think that's something very interesting especially talking about trailblazers which I want to kind of shift into that conversation um which I know unfortunately you were not able to join us in Colorado we were so sad to not have you with us um but you were at home taking care of things that you needed to take care of and, and with your family which was um, absolutely the right place for you to be um, but I would like to talk about kind of trailblazers and why you wanted to get involved with that group and um, apply because I think I just the story about why people applied always intrigues me because I think we all applied for very different reasons. Um, but we have then like you said now we've come together as a group and maybe we're a group that we never would have crossed paths before, you know, me being in Texas you being in, in New York. Um, have it being involved in very different breed associations, but yet here we are sitting at the same table. So um, what kind of interest you or sparked sparked why you wanted to be involved in, in CBA and Trailblazers? So the past couple of years, I've really tried to put on my advocacy hat and I started working pretty closely with the New York Beef Council, um, took their uh, top of the class program, got to meet, again, just meet some really great folks that I never would have met otherwise. Right. And really just taking a step back, looking at the beef industry as a whole and saying, like, what can I do to do my part? And like, obviously, we love the breed of cattle we raise, um, but we know that we're a very small segment and we know that we just want people to eat beef in general and understand what we're doing as farmers um, and to be able to share that story to the best of our ability. Um, so I started uh, two years ago now the uh, junior beef ambassador program in our county, which is teaching youth and then in turn having youth teach the public at our county fair about um, beef, the beef industry, beef nutrition. Um, so it was kind of a grassroots program that I started here. And I, I want to do the best that I can for these kids too, to make sure that I'm giving them the tools and the resources. Um, so originally my, my goal was as a trailblazer that I can be the 
the best mentor for them, be a resource that they can come ask me questions and kind of be the the expert in the field, if you will, or as close yeah. to it as I can to make sure that I give them a good source of information and be one source of the truth for them. Um, and then as it kind of branched out and I met the group that uh, just on our first orientation there and um, I really, I selfishly came back to me a little bit and I was like, you know, like this is a really great opportunity. Like I, I never really thought about thought about it until we met that first night. And it's like, you know, like, what are the chances that I would meet Sam from Washington and Allie from California and Allie from Texas and be able to form these connections with folks all across the country that are, we're so passionate about the same thing. And it's just, I got really emotional on a, on a work call about it when I was explaining to them that how much I wanted to, to be go or how I was going to Denver and then ultimately how I couldn't go. Um, just, it's just a really great, um, great opportunity. I'm really excited and to see where it all goes and, and make those connections that I'm hoping are going to last a lifetime. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a, a very unique experience because we all live very busy, crazy, different lives all over the country. But for us to be able to connect even like what the other night for an hour and 15 minutes or whatever it was, and just like sit down and focus and talk about something important to the beef industry. I think that's where a lot of progress can come from for the industry. Um, because like you said, like we're all, we're from all over the place. We all have very different segments that we're involved in, even just in the beef industry. Um, and some of us in other realms of agriculture and other jobs and all kinds of things. So, um, but the fact that we can all sit down and talk about things that we're passionate about and talk about an industry that we're passionate about, I think is where a lot of very powerful things can come from and can potentially have a lot of impact. Um, and I think too, the Trailblazer program, uh, I think Chandler and the folks at NCBA have done a great job at facilitating it for us and providing such unique learning opportunities where um, it's a lot of information, but it's all so good information that personally, I hope that I like do the program justice in terms of taking my strengths and the information that they've given us and, and putting it that back out there um, to not only producers, but also consumers in a way that everyone can kind of understand. So very excited to be a part of that group with you. Um, and hopefully we get to meet in person soon. Um, For sure. I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's just such a unique, a unique opportunity for us all. Um, and like you said, I can, I can relate to the fact that I think subconsciously I was, you know, doing it for this, um, for all these things I want to do in the future of like, oh, it'll be a great resource for that. Or, oh, it's going to be a great connections for that. But then taking a step back and really realizing like, okay, no, there was an element for myself of like selfishness of wanting to be involved in this and, um, be around all these other people. I know for me at one point I sat in that room and I was like, holy cow, like I feel like a small fish in a big pond because all of these, these are literally like industry leading experts that I'm sitting next to. Um, like Joe Lowe from Kentucky, Sam, like you mentioned, like they're the best of the best when it comes to these certain segments that they're involved mm -hmm. in. So a really cool opportunity that we all care that much to, to be involved in a different aspect. Exactly. Um, well, Erin, I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but I would like to just ask one kind of final question before we get into ways people can contact you. Um, but if someone is listening who is wanting to maybe get involved in 
agriculture or the beef industry, what is some advice you might give them in, in taking that first step? Um, I would say network, learn all you can. I mean, I attended, my husband and I both, like we've, we're masters of beef advocacy certified, we're BQA certified, we've gone through the classes, we go through them again. Like there's always something to learn. Like don't think that you know it all because there's always something to keep learning. Reach out to your local extension offices, things like that. that um, but at the end of the day too, I would like to say like just, you do you like everybody's going to have an opinion about how you do something, what you do, especially when you're sharing your story on social media. Um, so you just have to remember like you do you. And as long as you're um, taking that kind of approach, I feel like um, continuing to learn, continuing education that you're going to do good. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that understanding your limits and, and, your strengths and your weaknesses are very important too when you're going into things like that, just to um, figure out where you might need some more help. And then also being confident to, to share your own story or, or take the steps that you think are necessary. Right. So. right. Don't be afraid to ask for help. That's, yes. we, we do that. Um, especially when we were getting started, like we've, we've learned different things along the way now. And I feel like those SOS calls are few and far fewer and far between now but um in the beginning it's like I, i'm definitely going to reach out to somebody who's been doing this 40 years like they they know so and oftentimes they're more than willing to help you too so for sure just making that that initial contact is sometimes the hardest part <laughs> that's right um well erin thank you so much for for taking some time to chat with me today if somebody is wanting to uh, reach out or get in contact with you, what is the best way to do so? Um, I would say, again, visit our website, www.eastonstationfarms.com. Um, there's a contact card on there. You can reach out, sign up for our newsletter to stay in the know on what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Easton Station Farms um, right here in Greenwich, New York. Awesome. Thank you so much, Erin, and I can't wait to, uh, again, hopefully meet you in person soon and continue to connect through Trailblazers, but then also um, watch as y'all continue to, to grow your business and your, uh, your family operation. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks for more agricultural-related content, and also be sure to check out your favorite podcast here from www.agchicks.net. We'll see you next time.